0: The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. Well, good morning. <clears throat> Very good to see a full house and a little shout out to those over in uh, Holmes Hall, who are watching in the Overflow Room. Good morning. Happy Friday. Welcome, as was said, to our guests. It's a beautiful day for you to be here. A lot going on, as you can see. Uh, there's a lot going on in this room this weekend as well. Um, We've got a little thing called the Sound of Music taking place this weekend. and um, <clears throat> So there's a lot of space between you and me this morning, but we'll manage. I think we're sold out tonight. Mr. Condi told me we're sold out tomorrow afternoon. Tomorrow evening there are a few tickets left, so I'm sure that we'll have a raucous and fun time uh, this weekend with Sound of Music. Appreciate all the students and staff and faculty who have worked so hard to put this together for us. Thank you for that. We're looking forward to it. Uh, And lots going on around campus. To keep an eye, students, on uh, all of the, the places where we keep you informed about activities and events taking place over the next few weeks here on campus as we move now into the uh, second half of the spring semester. This morning, I want to continue the series for this year uh, that I've been working with you on here in chapel. Some things we may have forgotten. Reacquainting ourselves with key biblical truths. This is a series that we began uh, early in the fall, looking at some basic and foundational, certainly profound, Doctrines and truths from Scripture that uh, we may have lost a little bit of uh, our edge regarding them, our awareness and thoughtfulness about them. Uh, We began the year looking at creation and resurrection. This semester we've already looked at the love and loving of God. We looked at um, uh, some other issues uh, this year, the crucified life, some of those kinds of things. Just to challenge our thinking, to reacquaint ourselves with some timeless truths in Scripture, that are significant and should be significant in the way we think and live, but given the context in which we find ourselves, may not be things we think on or talk about a great deal. So some things we may have forgotten, reacquainting ourselves with key biblical truths. And this morning, I want to draw from the passage that Dr. Porcella read for us and talk about truth itself and the God of truth. In this passage in Romans 1, there's some very profound teaching. It's a very uh, rich and penetrating passage of Scripture. I want to draw on some things related to this issue of truth and make some observations about the culture, the times in which we find ourselves, and some things I think we should be thinking about as Christians in terms of thinking biblically and Christianly about truth. Let me set a little context first. Um, Truth is not simply a theological idea, it's not something that we talk about just in terms of doctrinal issues or biblical issues, we'll get to that, but truth is part of our world as human beings, which of us enjoys people not being truthful with us. And we're not just talking about the person who sells you a car, we're talking about the people that you fellowship with and socialize with on a regular basis. We all know the value of the truth and truthfulness and the problem that comes along with its opposites. But truth is something that has always been part of our culture, and at given times in, in, uh, in the, the cultures and societies that you've been a part of, and as we find ourselves in our current context, uh, some of these ideas become more or less inflamed or more or less of a priority. If you just think about the notion of truth, and, and most of you know I'm teaching a section of the government class that you're all required to take, and we talk about the importance of the rule of law and why that matters so much. In the class right now, we're talking about the judiciary. Well, you don't have to think about courtrooms and the judicial branch of government very long to understand that what do we ask people to do? Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and what? Nothing but the truth, Right? Hopefully, so help you, God. We have comic book heroes. Some of this may or may not be familiar to you, because I think some of this has changed over time. But in the era of the Second World War, and for a long time after, Superman had a motto. And it wasn't, find Lois. It was truth, justice, and the American way was in all the comic strips, Truth, Justice, and the American Way. There was a 35-year-plus game show on television that my grandparents watched faithfully, regardless of the network and the host, called Truth or Consequences. And all of you have probably played one version or another of the game Truth or Dare. My experiences with that are... My own personal trauma. (laughs) Truth or dare? A game that kids play with something that is not at all a game. Truth is a very weighty thing, it's not to be played at, not to be trivialized, taken for granted, or dismissed. It's weighty from a human perspective because so much rides upon it in our experiences and our relationships, but it's even weightier when considering its relationship to and importance to Almighty God. This is a weighty matter, and there is certainly a human dimension to it, but that human dimension is carries with it its own need for being sober-minded about it, but when thinking about its relationship to God, it becomes an even greater issue and a bigger deal. The passage that Dr. Porcella read for us from Romans chapter 1 is a weighty passage. In fact, once again, uh, the songs sync up with the message by the providence of God. What does it say? That the attributes of God are known in the things that have been created. And we're singing How Great Thou Art. For those of us who have been moved from spiritual blindness to spiritual sight, we see the hand of God in everything around us. And His divine attributes are there for the witnessing. His nature, His character, the things that, that are a part of, of who He is and what matters to Him. And we're to be moved to respect him and honor him and the things that he values and loves we see all of this played out in the in in romans chapter one the seriousness of truth and the power and nature of god But if you think about truth, and you can do this, I won't be able to exhaust this in the time that we have. And you have Bible and theology classes, philosophy classes, apologetic classes, lots of opportunities for you to be thinking about truth from people who are truly thoughtful about this idea. And I want to challenge you as students, don't waste those opportunities, not just to learn about constructs and concepts that have academic and intellectual weight, but these things will affect the way you think and live and have a profound impact upon your life and the decisions that you make don't waste the opportunities that are set before you to listen and to learn and to think on these weighty matters but if in your spare time you want to do a simple word study of truth in the bible you'll see how integral and prolific it is god is the god of truth he is the ultimate source of truth he loves it and he hates its opposite it is tied to His love and His mercy, His very character, and ultimately His authority. You know, because of this, Karen has written into its foundational statements some language that guides what we do. You know the mission statement. You know how important it is to us. The first objective in Karen's foundational documents after the mission statement is is an objective that reads this way. As an academic institution committed to intellectual development, the idea that all truth is God's truth, and the biblical truth that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the university purposes to impart to its students a knowledge of God themselves and the world in which they live. It is because God is the God of truth That we build our whole instructional model, the curriculum, and what our faculty hold to and believe. That God is the God of truth. There is such a thing as objective, knowable, absolute truth. And that God loves it and hates its opposite. And because of that, we want you to form a right knowledge of God, yourselves, and the world in which you live that is informed by the Bible and consistent with our Christian faith. And in that effort, there must be this commitment to truth. So why is it such a tricky thing for us? Well, it's a tricky thing for us because we're human and we live in a world that is not committed to the things that God says are a priority. That's just the nature of life in a sinful and fallen world. But it's our first institutional objective that we want you to understand rightly who God is and the importance of truth. Now, when I was putting this together, I was thinking, well, one of the things that I might ask if I was listening to myself would be why, in a place that shares that commitment and is comprised of Christians who obviously believe in truth, is it necessary to reacquaint ourselves With this key biblical truth. It almost seems unnecessary to assert that Christians must affirm the idea and importance of truth. After all, Jesus himself claims to be the truth in John chapter 14, verse 6, and we take great comfort from his words that we shall know the truth, and the truth shall what? Set us free in John chapter 8. Those are foundational ideas in the Christian faith, right? When Jesus is talking about his death and and resurrection and that he's going to a place to prepare a home for his disciples Thomas is concerned that he won't be able to find the way and what does Jesus say to him oh Thomas I am the way the truth and the life Jesus doesn't say I am a way a truth and a life and I hope this one is relevant to you and resonates with you he says I am the way the truth and the life and no one comes to the father but by me Jesus asserts this very strong and exclusive claim that He is the truth. And His own words in chapter 8, where He's talking about you will know the truth, it can be known, and if you know it, it is not what will enslave you, it's what will set you free from the bondage of sin. And only that. That He is the atoning sacrifice for your sin and faith in him alone is the way to experience that freedom that's the truth it is not true because you say it is so it is not true because you believe it to be so it isn't even true because someone else said it to be so it's true because it's true As Christians, we need to hold to that idea of truth, that it is not dependent upon our affirmation or assent. It's not dependent upon our proclamation of it. These eternal truths that we see in Scripture that are tied to the very nature of God, they are true whether we hold to them or not. Yet we live in a world that wants to say, we will decide what is true, we will decide what our truth is, we will decide what the important truths are, we will decide that there's an array of truths from which you can choose, But we have to be very careful about that. Now, I've used this example in chapel almost to exhaustion, but you know this doesn't hold with regard to gravity. We all know that gravity is truth. It's a law of the universe. Gravity is real. It is not dependent upon our affirmation of it. Otherwise, some of you doubters would be levitating right now. But we're all bound by gravity. That's the reality jesus is the eternal son of god in whom there is forgiveness and redemption and the promise of eternal life alone that's what he says and so the truth that truth that jesus asserts that impresses upon us this idea that as christians this is essential to our faith so why do we need to be reminded about this we obviously hold to it as christians but you know this to be true if If this was so easy, the Scripture wouldn't need to be reminding us of it and teaching us according to it. We would just accept it. But what's the issue? Well, the issue is we're human, and we live in a sinful and fallen world. And affirming truth verbally or being part of a faith community that has an assumption about the importance of truth is not the same as living it out. We, you and I, must be diligent and vigilant regarding the truth, truth, and truthfulness. And we must be careful to think about it and to speak about it rightly. This is not something to be taken lightly. We have to rather be thinking and speaking about it rightly. In Romans chapter 1, the Apostle Paul points out a very grave error. He points out that the error of those who exchange the truth for a lie and worship the creature rather than the Creator, that's a very dangerous thing. And at the heart of that immorality and idolatry is a departure from truth. Truth then is tied to and is critical to our faith. What he's saying is that those who have who have shunned God's way and given themselves over to the lusts of the flesh and to immoral activity, what they've done is actually created graven images. They've decided that for them, their truth is worshiping a creature, or a planet, or the sun or something else that was actually formed by the authoritative hands of God, that those things now are worthy of worship. And Paul says they've ruined themselves in their faith because they exchanged the truth for a lie. They have essentially acted as God and said, we will decide what is important. We will decide what is true. And Paul says they've exchanged the truth for a lie. Rather, what they're doing is worshiping the creature than the Creator, the Almighty God, who is blessed and glorified forever. It reminds me of Psalm 100. right? The beautiful psalm. We are the what? We are the sheep of His pasture. It is He who has made us, and we not ourselves. It is accepting that God is the, the, the perfect authority Creator and sustainer. We are the sheep of his we are his people and the sheep of his pastures. It is he who has made us and we not ourselves. But every time people get off track with regard to this and displease God and find themselves caught in immorality and adultery, what they've done is exchanged a truth for a lie and have said, no, we would rather be the ones making the decision. We would rather make our world the way we want. We would rather fashion ourselves in every way according to our own image and desires. We don't want expectations expectations. expectations and standards put upon us by God we will be the ones who decide and in so doing they are usurping God's ultimate authority which is rooted in his character and truth is one of those things that actually is is important in thinking about this whole issue it's not enough just to affirm it or to be a part of a community that thinks it's important you and I in our daily lives have to be committed to truth in a profound way And in chapter 1 of Romans, Paul points out some very grievous errors. Well, this is what I'd like you to think about. The current cultural context around truth and truthfulness is something that I believe we as Christians should be concerned about and about which Christians should be very careful. As Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, who are committed to living our lives according to the truths and the teaching of His Word, We must be very careful and remember that we are to be truth seekers and even truth tellers, but not truth makers. That is not our role. Our role is to submit to the truths of God and to the truth of God, Jesus Christ, and His Lordship. Well, how do we get away from that? Well, we start thinking that it's up to us to be the authors of truth. Simply claiming something is your truth, or my truth, or true, does not make it necessarily so. It doesn't make it unquestionable. It doesn't remove from it the need for argument and evidence. To treat truth that way is to undermine the nature of truth itself, which is rooted in the very nature and character of God. I've been thinking about this quite a bit, um, actually, and I uh, did a little looking up about sort of the way that my truth is used, your truth is used, truth is used in our current cultural context and secular settings. Very interesting, even the example that—and um, I would not consider this an academically relevant source of authority and don't ex- don't, would not recommend that you use it in your work cited page—but Urban Dictionary Online says this about my truth. It is as if someone says, the sky is red, and that is my truth, and the rest of us have to say, good for you, stand by your truth. The sky is not red. Just because you claim it to be so does not make it so. Other claims and examples that it uses are something like this. My husband is a good man, and I love him, But I cannot be in this marriage anymore and that's my truth and I'm sticking to it. And the friend says, good for you, stand by your truth. That approach to truth is extremely detrimental to us and our relationships and it erodes our confidence in the idea of truth as an absolute thing. We have to be very careful that we don't attempt to exercise our own sovereignty over this. Your opinion, your perspective, your experiences, they are yours. But simply claiming them to be true does not make them so. We may be tempted to think that those who give up on the idea of truth and truthfulness have done so because they've had a crisis of faith or an intellectual awakening and have given up on the big idea of absolute truth. Let me posit something else. Perhaps something more dangerous is going on. Perhaps it's more dangerous to give up on or to be careless with the idea of truth and truthfulness at the human level that leads to our questioning, our belief in, and our confidence in, and our adherence to absolute truth. Do you follow what I'm saying? We think that people have given up on the idea of being careful about truth and truthfulness and truthfulness And the truth in our human existence, our relationships, reality, culture, society, facts, politics, whatever it is, we think they've given up on it because they've rejected absolute truth. As Christians, we can hold the absolute truth, but if we're playing around down here on the human level and we're being careless about the use of that word and what it means, it will quickly erode our confidence in the idea of the absolute truth. We will say, if this doesn't matter, and this is completely subjective, and this is all up to me, Then why should I subject myself to God's standards regarding absolute knowable objective truth that transcends time and all eternity? We have to be careful what we're doing down here, that it doesn't erode the big ideas. Pardon the indelicate example, but it's kind of like getting a clog in the line. If you have a clog in the line, I'm pardon me, in the sewage line of your home downstream, near the, near the municipal's resources or in your own tank, it backs up into the house. Be very careful that down here on the practical, everyday human level, you're not being sloppy about the idea of truth and truthfulness and the importance of, of, of those things such that it backs up and begins to undermine and erode this foundational idea which is our confident holding to the fact that God is the ultimate source of truth which transcends everything else. Be careful. That's what we mean by being vigilant and being diligent. Dr. Plummer reminded us about that in the fall regarding the, con- the, the idea of love. We have to be careful. You and I as Christians should love truth. The truth, Jesus Christ and God's Word and truthfulness as well. God loves it. His Word teaches us to do that. In Philippians chapter 4, and verse 8, the Apostle says, whatever is true, think on these things. We are to care about it, to love it, to seek it, to pursue it, to tell it. But we should be very careful because words matter, understanding matters, and how you and I think about truth matters. How we talk about truth matters. When it comes to truth, let me encourage you to be careful, to be biblical... And to be humble. Because in so doing, we will show the kind of care and concern and value of something that is not only something God cares about and values, but is a reflection of His very nature. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank You for Your goodness and grace and for the time together this morning. And we pray that in this world, You might give us the courage of our faith and our confidence in Your Word to think on and to live according to the teaching of it. We thank you for the tremendous privilege that we have to be together in this place, for the men and women who serve and teach here. And we pray that as a result of our time of study together and with these individuals, we might come to know, love, care about, and guard truth and truthfulness, and be more and more committed and confident in the truth, the way, the life. We pray it all in His precious name. Amen. Have a great day.